Here we go for round two with Joanna Weidenmiller of One Page. You're listening to Biz Women Rock, a podcast filled with tremendous stories of amazing business women all over the world. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. Are you tired of hearing how powerful LinkedIn is but have no idea and maybe not even that much desire to learn how to make it work for you? then you have got to get LinkedIn Focus. LinkedIn Focus is a powerful program that will give you the exact strategies needed to produce results for your business. Just go to linkedinfocus.com forward slash BWR. Joanna Weidenmiller, she's the founder of a company called OnePage, which is a technology that's an HR enterprise system Uh, This is part two of the conversation. Once again, I really did not want to stop this conversation. We got a lot of great golden nuggets in here, including how she's evolved as a businesswoman, um, how she can't do it without her team, and uh, why she decided to list her company and go public on the Australian Stock Exchange. So let's get right into it. By hiring, you know, by finding those people and bringing them in, I was able to build an organization full of people that were all at the top of their game. And it doesn't start that way at all. You know, it starts the way where you go, you're just excited. People want to work for you. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. My cousin who's 12 is going to work for free or for $10 an hour. And you're like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And then, you know, and at the same time, when I had this idea, I was also raising venture capital money, which is not at all an easy feat. Yeah, talk about Most that. Talk people, about that a little bit. Like, talk about uh, like what it took for you to really raise that money, why, and why you decided to do it. Because that's that's not always the very first thing that people figure out. They figure like, okay, I'll just do this and I'll figure it out on my own and let it grow grow the way it's going to grow. Why did you mm-hmm. Why did you go to raise it, and how did you do that? Because you raised, um, oh, I had it. Three, we raised. Yeah, $3 million from venture capitalists, and then we went public. We raised $8.5 million, and we're um, right now about a $150, $160 million company. So why walk us through, like, the venture capital raising phase. Like, um, how did you actually go about doing that? What were some of the things that you did that made you really successful in raising that $3 million? You know, I took a strategy, and it sounds ridiculous, like I did going door-to-door. I hid in garages to try and get VCs. I mean, I will tell you, these people are not easy people. And I went to, I, you know, I, I tell people a lot of time, go to meetups that are in your area. And I'm lucky enough to be in Silicon Valley. And so in Silicon Valley, there are a lot of meetups. And I find that people are like, oh, yeah, well, that's because you're in Silicon Valley. Well, what I found is that actually money towards technology and, and entrepreneurs is actually skyrocketing right now. Yeah. And there's meetups all around the country that are, for helping people get to know who those people are because they too have to invest their money and they want to know people too. And so what I started doing was every meetup I could, I I went to, I I would meet people and those people would give me their card and I would actually follow up with those people and be like, hey, let me tell you about my idea. And nine times out of 10, they were not interested in my idea, but I would always go back and say, all right, great, can you introduce me to someone who you think is right, even if they had turned me down? And I would ask him why. Why do you turn down? Where am I not right? 
I will tell you, I built this business on the no's, not on the yeses. And that's something important because the no's are the ones that are truly, that's the reality. These are, these are people that will sit there and they will make you, you want to cry. And if water didn't bind to itself, you would be crying. But you just <laughs> have these water glasses over your eyeballs. That was, that was basically me when it was, you know, VCs would sit there and be like, who are you? You know, you have no technical background. You think you're going to go conquer HR. Like, you've got to be insane. This is the worst idea I've ever heard. I mean, they're, they're, they will go on. And in a way, they're trying to, I guess, help you with reality. In the other way, they're not really helping at all. And then there are a lot of people that tell you maybe. And for me, I worked harder than I think I've ever seen an entrepreneur work when it came to fundraising. And that's not to say, I, I haven't seen how everybody works. I'm just saying it felt like that to me. And I, there were there were days where I'm, I'm a very independent person, if you haven't figured it out. And while my husband was, was always willing to support and help and, and do anything he could to, to obviously, for our, my own life, I would never, I never wanted to ask him for funding. I not only didn't want to ask him for that, I didn't want to ask him to help me like housed me while I was traveling to try and raise venture capital money. So <laughs> that meant that I slept in cars some nights. And I remember there was this time I had uh, I had in my bank account. I didn't have enough money to even get in my in my bank account. I didn't have enough money to get from where I was to my meeting and potentially pay for lunch, which I had to meet a venture capitalist at lunch. And I was like, I can't rent a car, take a taxi, or if you Caltrain, I'm going to hitchhike, and then, like, hope to God this guy takes a salad with no dressing, <laughs> and it's going to work out, and I'll be okay. And, you know, in the end of the day, a lot of this stuff that you worry about, if you don't worry about it, you don't deserve to be at the top, because I think every great entrepreneur and every great person that's successful has a moment, and, and as I got, as I, as I became more mature as a company, and and we grew and we built our first round was $1.5 million and we raised another round of $1.5 million. That second round of $1.5 million was even harder because it was, you're not there yet. You know, it's kind of, you're never there. A VC is always going to tell you, come back to me when you're 18 months down the road. You know, it's right. kind of like, actually, if you were 18 months down the road from now, I would totally invest. And it's like, well, I can't get there without getting over step one and I need you to help me to get here. And I think that for me, you know, the, the, there was period, and my husband said, my friends, I, they, they, I've never, they've never seen anybody that kind of just went so, I was so resilient to it. And I just, I knew I could find someone. And I remember the first, my first big, I mean, my first $1.1 million that came in from ABC at the time he, uh, I had emailed this guy and he didn't write me back and we were at a conference and I had, I had emailed his partner and he didn't email her back. And I was kind of, I was stalking everybody that had anything with investment in there or capital or anything in their bio <laughs> at, this, at this conference. And I think I met with 35 people at a conference, which is insane running around trying to pitch your deck to them. And at the end of this conference, I was like still snooping around to see if I could find anybody that was still remaining that life was waiting in the bathroom line. And I, <laughs> this is not a joke. I mean, you're black. Like, this is so, this is like my reality. And so I, um, I, I see this guy that I had been emailing and I, and he was looking at me 
in a way that was like half he wanted to laugh at me and half he felt really bad for me. And and I went up to him like, hi, I speak out my arm, like, hi, I'm Joanna Riley Widenmiller and I go into my ten second pitch and he's like, you know what, that sounds actually pretty interesting. That's something that we're we look at right we're looking at right now. And I was like, What? <laughs> like I didn't even know what yes sounded like. And I was like you know, three months every day, like back to back meetings in this. And I'm like, really? And I, um, and I went, you know, and, and I had this, the hardest nose. I mean, it wasn't like I had somewhat nose. I had like really hard nose. And so, and mostly because I didn't, wasn't building rocket ships from a mobile phone and it wasn't that sexy. HR right. enterprise technology, like, blech. Right, right, right. And you're a woman and that doesn't even, that's not exciting either. But you and, got it. You know, there's, Exactly. And so what he said to me, though, it was funny. He said in the room, he goes, when he, when he gave me the term sheet for, for the investment, he goes, if you work like you work the room, that's why I knew I could invest in you. Mm, wow. And it came down to the fact that he sat there and he watched me. And he's like, that girl, she's going to blow through walls. And it's amazing because, you know, I, I was speaking to him last night and we were talking about, you know, he's, he's uh, come on to be a, a really great friend. And you know, one page last quarter made 650% on, um, we were, we increased 650% valuation um, on the public market. And, and it, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I, to this day have that there's nothing that tastes better than when you truly are able to push through adversity. And at the end of it, what happens is all the people that try to stop you, they're going to let you know they made the wrong choice. And if, even if they don't, even if they don't admit it, you know it because everybody else that does admit it is going to tell you. And, you know, I go to VC events now and, and I'll go because a friend's going or my husband or whatnot. And, um, and I, I just over and over and over again have VCs that come up to me like, you were my biggest oops. Wow. I cannot believe I said no to you. And I had no idea you would do this. I had no idea. <laughs> You're like, didn't you see the I fire did, in my eyes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, didn't you know I would bust the walls to get this done? And this was not, you know, there was a time period where I remember when we were going through our, our first and our second round of funding. And I remember crying at night one night. And I knew that the next day I would have to close the business and that, I didn't have a way of paying my employees, which was the worst part about it was here were all these people that had followed my suit and I, and we had built this incredible technology and yet it wasn't, we weren't able to, we weren't even, we weren't ready to go. We were just putting it out to the market. And so it was something that we chose to go closed and we knew it was successful. And we had all this validation and then we wanted to, to put it out to the market. And I remember thinking, Tomorrow I have to tell my team that I can't do this anymore. And I had done everything. I had sold things. I had liquidated and I put any money I could find. I, I, anything like I was like, Oh, a quarter on the ground. It's in the business. <laughs> I mean, it was like everything had gone into this company. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Are you ready to say all in, you know, are you ready to say that you're going to stay up at night and make this happen? And I was, I pitched investors kind of everywhere and I had looked at it and the next day in the morning I woke up and I had an email saying I couldn't be more excited to be an investor in your business and wow. I'm wiring the money today. And I just remember, you know, most people die when they're a few feet from water. 
and I, I, I say that to my employees a lot, you know, don't quit because most people die when they're just a few feet from water. Yeah. And it really is true. I know so many people would have quit along this way. And, and I think that the tests that are put in place to allow people to get to the top, they're really easy to say, you know what, forget it. It's not, it's not worth it. I've, my husband hates me. My dogs don't recognize me. I have friends. I don't even have friends. My butt is huge. And <laughs> I'm walking away from this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't slept for like two years. And in the end of the day, I look at it now. And, you know, the, the thing that really made the difference was as I look around my team, they are so brilliant and they're so exciting. And what is amazing are the moments that when you have people that come up to you and they say, I got a job because of you. Mm. And when you have your own, you have little girls that come up that have read an article about you or they've seen you talk and they go, I wanted to be an artist, but now I want to be an entrepreneur like you. And those are the moments that you go, I, that's why I do this. You know, it's like, it, yes, the money is inc- is great, but I don't sit here counting pennies. That's not never been it. You know, this is the beginning of, of our evolution. It is just the beginning. And so to know where we're going and to know what we're doing and to see that here's this dream that plays out and that all the people that said no, I don't even remember their names. And I thought I would never forget, you know? So that's, so- I mean, the, the evolution of this business is something that, if I hadn't learned, and, I, and it goes back to being an athlete of that kind of, that drill down every day, you can find it in you as you get through, you know, rowing, especially you're just, you're so exhausted. You can't even, you don't think you have anything left and you still have to get 200 meters to go before a finish line shows up. And it's, how are you going to push through that? But also I finished the line, I finished the row, I, every day, every time I rode a race, I finished the, the line with, there were eight, or eight rowers and one coxswain in the boat, and no one run, won a race alone. No one lost a race alone. We did it all together. And this team, we've never won a race. We've never lost a race alone. It's it's completely together. And we, by having them, they've motivated me, and somehow I've motivated them. Wow. You know, one thing that we haven't discussed at all yet that I just want to spend just a brief moment on is the fact that you took your company public. And I Mm -hmm. I warned you before I wanted to talk about this because I think it's something so uh, far off for a lot of us. Like it doesn't really seem like, okay, you see those publics over there, the the companies Mm -hmm. over there go public or that those really big companies go public. Your three-year-old company uh, had Mm -hmm. raised, you know, $3 million, had raised another $8.5 million. That's not a huge company. And nope. you decided to go public. Now, you're pub- you went public on the Australian Stock Exchange, on the ASX. Right. Um, why did you decide to do that? And what, yeah. like, how did you go through that? Uh, what were just a couple yeah. of maybe the logistics of, of doing that? Sure. So at the time, um, we were, we had a couple offers on the table. We had venture capital offers on the table. And, you know, but VCs are VCs are good to a certain extent. You're you're getting one person that's going to give you their insights into how you should build your business. And when they own so much of it, they have a lot of responsibility for that. Right. And they also don't have a very good success rate in my mind. Or they didn't have a very good success rate in my mind to say, okay, well that one, like, I'm sure his advice is right. You know, it's kind of like, wait. Where did you come from? Did you build it at this? <laughs> and so <laughs> you came from McKinsey and that's it. Like, oh, God, what are we going to do here? 
So I think that that was um, what, what we had the VC offers on the table. We also had acquisition offers on the table. We had acquisition offers on the table for what a lot of people would have told me and tell me to this day, I cannot believe you wouldn't have taken that. And the reason I didn't want it was because I wanted to change the world. And as crazy as it sounds, I thought that the hiring, the way people got jobs was completely backwards and wrong. And if I didn't change it, I knew someone was going to. So who am I not to do that? Why not me? And not necessarily me, but why not one page? We have a really good shot here and we have a lot of interest. And so what was also, my husband had actually gotten a phone call. My husband was in finance and he had received a phone call from a friend of his who did a deal with him in, in Australia when he was in when he had his own hedge fund. And he said, you know, tech's really taking off down here in Australia. Do you know any tech companies we should talk to? My husband's like, yeah, I'm in Silicon Valley. I, I know a lot of tech companies you should talk to, but you should really talk to my wife. Like her tech companies like going through the hockey stick right now. They've brought in all these big companies and they're, they're growing really fast. And, um, and so he came to me and said, you know, you should go, these guys want to talk to you about going public in Australia. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't take the call. I actually ignored the call <laughs> and never called him back. And my husband was like, we have to be on the fight over it. He was like, that's just rude. Like these are my friends, like take the call. So I took the call and what ended up happening was, they, the more I understood about the ASX, the better an opportunity it provided. Well, if I wanted to be, you know, I from from day one would walk into VC's office and as much against that, you know, kind of the, the understanding of what you say to VCs, I was like, I am going to go public. I want to be a public company because I want to change the world. And a VC, when they first meet you, the first thing a VC does is they look at how do I sell you? Who is the buyer? And I didn't want to be sold. I wanted to build something that was for the world and it was built by the world. And so how do we, how did I kind of go through that? Well, what I found with ASX is the ASX provide an opportunity that as a company like mine, if I wanted to be private, I would have to continue to take VC money until we hit a $200 million market cap, at which point we'd be able to go onto NASDAQ. As an early, that would be an early stage NASDAQ listed company, but if I, and, and that means that 75% of my company probably at that point, if I'm lucky, would be owned by VCs, most likely more. Wow. Now, in a VC's bylaws to their own investors, it says that if a company that they invest in does go public, that it's in their bylaws, that they have to sell their shares the day their restriction periods are up, meaning the day that when you go public, you put some of your existing, you put your existing shareholders in like an escrow or a restriction that they can't sell their stock for six months or whatever the time frame is. So let's say six months later to that date, what happens? 75% of the company sells. Well, that's not good when you're a public company because you have to not only have your stock go up, and you've got to replace all the, exist- all the existing sellers, right? So your stock can't go up. That's why we've continued to see all these companies that go public, they shoot up and then they shoot down because you've got too much, drink- there's too much liquidity that's selling out that can't be replaced. Well, what happened with us was if we list on the ASX, we actually only need to have a $50 million market cap to list on NASDAQ. You don't need to have anything over $5 million uh, valuation to actually list on, uh, to list on the ASX, but that the NASDAQ looked at, and the New York Stock Exchange looked at ASX listed companies as a very strong breeding ground because they have, the very, they have very similar regulations. Oh, wow. And so they were able to pick the best of the best companies and list them on NASDAQ. But my investor base, because I'm so young, or such a small company, if it's early enough, we'd actually have the right investor base that would be able to, that would hold the stock. 
any anyone that holds paper in, on ASX, which it's one of the top uh, top three exchanges in the world, it's one point six trillion dollar exchange and has one point seven trillion dollars in cash, looking wow. to make investments in, in assets. So it's a very strong exchange, and it and it said basically what that meant was that if we listed there, we'd have much better investors that looked long term and were able to really help us with this goal of going after human resources and changing hiring. But we also were able to have a really good have really good training and understanding to list on NASDAQ. Gotcha. Of course, NASDAQ called me basically the day we listed um, and said, you know, we'd be interested to talk to you about listing on NASDAQ, which wow. is great. But we also didn't have to. I mean, we we can still we can list on NASDAQ at any point that we you know at any point that we want as long as we're accepted. But at the same time. We, and I'm just saying, I can't assume what happens on that end, but we can list on NASDAQ at any point. We have to, we're having such an incredible response, and we have investors all over the world that we will continue to grow this company, and when we find the time right, we'll make that transfer over. So it doesn't necessarily seem to be at that front of my, you know, list anymore of saying this is why, but all the results that have come in from that have actually shown that this was 100% the right choice. Wow. You know, I sell to big, huge enterprises. And companies like Accenture can't actually, they would never deploy a technology under five years old that's private. It doesn't matter if I had $200 million in, in VC money because there's too much risk that I could be acquired for or purchased. Right. But they're and, seeing you as a I public mean, company like, okay, you're here, to, you're here for good. Yep. Got there's it. no risk. I give them full transparency. And, and immediately that, that security and that, that legal process is completely eliminated. And so that has helped us. And then on top of that, we were um, we were able to really show we were we were, we were the first Silicon Valley company to list on ASX. We had so much support on a national level, both both in in Asia and also in in Australia, that allowed us to kind of catapult. I mean, I was a keynote speaker at the G20 two months ago, um, where it was ha- I had an opportunity to really speak in front of some of the most incredible presidents around the world on entrepreneur and women in technology. And it's something that, you know, you look at moments like that, I would have never had that should I have taken the traditional route. Right. But my investors would have never allowed me to make the acquisition I made, which completely changed our business. <laughs> if I was a private investor, they would have never, if I, was, if I had one VC, they would have never done that. Right. And what also happened was, I mean, we were over 10 times oversubscribed for our IPO. We've had... Such incredible response. We have these. We have an amazing investor base, and I have to say that what it's done is it's kind of opened up this floodgate of companies coming and doing the same kind of thing um, that we had done. And I think that it's it's kind of proving the route of, I guess, I guess you know, Robert Frost the road less traveled, and it's made all the difference. And I think that it's very true. I've never, ever, ever gone along with the status quo. Why would I take VC money? You know? Right, If you look right. at the success rate of a venture capitalist, it's 95% fail. So why wouldn't I go with it a little bigger? And I think one of the other things that's really interesting for women is, you know, there's only 4% of VC money that goes to women-led companies. And so that's a challenge in itself. Wow. What's amazing is actually that on these platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they actually that they've shown in Angelus, they've actually shown that women are are sixty one percent more likely to hit their finance goals than men. Really, just an interesting statistic. Huh. 
I think there's a lot of support and a lot of platforms that are coming in. And I would say the ASX, listing on the ASX was one that was very similar, where they were looking at gender. They were looking at that grit. They were looking at, does she have the capability to do this? And I remember when I first when I first did the IPO roadshow, and we had, as I said, we were 10 times oversubscribed. However, the thing that came back and the hesitation was, is it only her? You know, is it just her that's this team? And so I started to bring my team with me on these on the, the roadshows following, and they were like, oh, my God, it is literally a herd of unicorns. I mean, wow. it's like one amazing person after the next. One guy that was, a, you know, built out Yahoo sales, and the next guy that built out Salesforce and Yammer and Google, and they were just like, oh, my God. Wow. You know, so they and could at the see, end of the day. Yeah, they could see the yeah, whole team. Totally, and I didn't have to say anything. I no longer had to prove and sell my story. It sold itself. You know, the team sells the story as well as I do, and I think that looking at it now three years later, it's only been three years, but it's been three years, 24 hours a day, yeah. seven days a week. Yeah. And it wasn't three years of me, you know, doing this part-time or doing this, you know, I went all in. And when I chose to make that decision, people followed it. Right. You know, that decision of, I will make this happen and hell or high water, we're going to do this. Nobody saw the moves that we made coming. Nobody. And it's, it's pretty incredible to be in the place that we are and say, you know what, like, there is something to going after what you believe in and having the passion and then doing whatever, whatever you have to, regardless if people say if that's normal or if that's wrong or, you know, why would you ever choose that way? Well, you know what, it worked out right. Right. Joanna, after, after this entire experience, um, how how would you say that you've really evolved the most as a businesswoman? God, I don't even remember who I was. <laughs> um, That's a very good indicator that you, you've yeah, evolved quite I, a bit. Every day I'm like, was I supposed to know this? You know, did I miss this class? And, you know, like I don't – every day I think about what's amazing is today I look back two weeks ago and I never thought I would know what I know today. And I think that you can actually learn a lot by getting thrown into things. And you don't need prep and you don't need to have, you know, don't let the world tell you that in a way, I, you know, that, that all the reasons why it wouldn't have worked out. I knew them all. But I believed in the ones that were going to work out. And I think that what it taught me was there's something really valuable, enormously valuable to your gut. It's, it's there for a reason. And... You know, my team said it the other day. We were at this management meeting. We were talking about our goals for 2015. And they go, so how did we get here? And they, they, they were like, Joanna's gut. And it was just amazing because it was, how did we get to, like, oh, my God, look at where we are and look what we're about to do. Right. And look what's coming. And at the same time, going, wow, look at how we're in a place right now and an opportunity that we can do it. And I would say that that has taught me a lot. But most importantly, there is a key, there's a key to delegation. And if I didn't have the team I have, it's, it's really hard to delegate. And it's much harder to trust. And when you allow people to take ownership, every single employee of my company is an owner of this company. That one's not. And that means that every employee 
when I make a decision and when we make a decision as a company, it's a decision we make as an organization. Right. You know, we say, are we going to make this move and are we prepared? And they trust the fact that I'm going to come back and have made the right decision and have represented the company well and, and choosing to make the right decision. But in the end of the day, I'm building this company for all of us and we're building it all together because we are all the owners. And I think that giving that ownership to people in a way that can grow, that can allow them to prove themselves that they deserve more and they belong there, it's so, so valuable because it allows you to delegate with trust. And if I didn't have that, I would have never, I couldn't have actually grown as a manager to know that your business is actually operating and you hear of companies that are coming in and you've never, ever, ever touched them. You didn't write one email. You didn't hear about them in a sales meeting. You didn't hear anything. And they're like, some of the com- biggest companies in the world. And I'm like, I love that I didn't touch this. You know? <laughs> it's so awesome that if I die in a plane crash, this business will keep operating. And that is a great feeling. Right. Well, Joanna, uh, I just, I really <laughs> want to say thank you so much for this conversation. It was just incredible. Oh, thank thank you. you so much for being uh, just so willing to share the story and share your experiences. Yeah, absolutely. It's been very educational and big congratulations to you. Um, just- Thanks so much, Katie. Remember to go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 153. So you can access all the show notes from this conversation, some awesome quotes. Man, I had an abundance of quotes from this woman uh, of just her experience as an entrepreneur and her experience as a businesswoman. Um, I obviously love that conversation. I thought she had so many great things to share about her experience. Um, Just the tenacity and the resilience were themes that just kept coming up from her experience as an athlete all the way through Uh, current times and and continuing to build out her company. And I just appreciated that so much. Uh, You know, truth be told, like this today, this exact day that I'm recording this was a very rough day. And this conversation was just like, I could do anything. I am super. (laughs) And I hope that you feel that same way, too. I mean, there is just nothing that you can't do. And I loved her theme of don't let people tell you what you can and cannot do. That's not their job. Your job is to just do it. That's it. So loved that. Joanna, thank you for your time. Um, I hope that you really enjoyed this. Hope you got a lot out of it and I can't wait to hear about it. Have a great day and I'll see you on the next episode. You know, my biggest motto in, in hiring people is hire unicorns and get the fuck out of their way. I mean, that's so inappropriate <laughs> to say, but it's so true. And so, like, my job, I'm a wrangler of unicorns. Like, that's all I do. I'm like, oh, you you look like a unicorn. Like, come over here. And the, the funny thing is, is, like, the only way to attract this kind of talent is actually to do exactly that. Like, these people, they're not going to actually... You know, these guys don't leave companies like Salesforce and Google and Yahoo and Procter and & Gamble and all the companies they've built and, and have come up through if you're not going to say, I'm going to, you know, let you, you know, I'm, I'm banking on you because you're, you know, I hire people like I like Michael Jordan. It's like 86% of the time the guy's going to make the free throw. So don't question the way he's teeing it up. You know, right, it's like... right. Thank on the fact that he's got the best rate. So I think that that's one of the, the key things and it's allowed us to really attract great talent that I can, I mean, I delegate to.